This is Beers and Buckets, a podcast for degenerates like us who drink beer and watch basketball. We are the only college basketball podcast that reviews beer and the only beer review podcast that talks college basketball. So grab a beer, throw on a game, and hang with us. Episode 15, like always, I am joined by Dal, my awesome co-host who is just, you know, the goodest of guys, in my opinion. Pretty fun to be around, but the I'm goodest, also joined by, yeah, the goodest. The goodest is, that's what we're starting with, It's the goodest, okay, good. The goodest, yeah. It's. A, I mean, I guess you gotta know me, but I, I do say that pretty often, so. Calm the me. goodest of guys, the goodest of boys, the goodest of girls when I say for my dog, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, but we also joined by Tim Best at the Real Timmy Ice. Of, I mean, he's on the Igloo podcast. That's what it's called, right? The Igloo with uh, yep, Timmy Ice. Yep. Got it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I listened to a couple episodes and definitely enjoyable. I, I'm not a huge Big East follower, um, but this, that's what you mainly cover is Big East men's and women's uh, college basketball. So pretty awesome to uh, to check that out and learn more just about that for the for the most part, but that's that's our guest for the day, and um, I'm super excited about this episode. So we are going to jump into some interview questions in a second. Before we do that, we have to talk about it. It's on everybody's Twitter feed, I'm sure. It's all over ESPN, Juwan Howard, Michigan, Wisconsin, the basket brawl, you know, is, I guess is what we could call it, right? I mean, I can't really think anything. It's not like the Malice in the Palace, but... It was. I, I saw someone call it Malice at the Cheese Palace. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty that good. Was, that was good. All right. So I was I was out on the boat today. I didn't actually watch it live. Um, it got warm enough down here where I could actually go out onto the island nearby and hang out, drink a couple beers. Did any of you guys see this live? I did not, unfortunately. I just remember seeing it. I think it was relatively quickly after the incident happened where I saw the video uh, from Jeff Goodman who tweeted it. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I was speechless. Like I, like I see it and I'm, I it's, it takes a lot for me to be speechless about something. Cause I was just that shocked by what transpired. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is kind of dumb. Like I didn't realize why Howard was so mad. And I thought, you know, reading the headlines and trying to piece the the Twitter timeline together, like I didn't see the full thing until I got home, turned on ESPN, and then they had a whole thing about it where they showed that he called the timeout to reset the clock to 10 seconds or something like that. And there was 15 seconds left. He called a timeout. Greg did. Greg Gard. Or, and, and so it's like, dude, you're up like 16, 15 to 16, and you call a timeout. And uh, just that's bad sportsmanship. But he's like, I did it because because it, of the rule. It's like, you know, Jawan's got to know there's a rule about it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, just take the turnover. Who cares? Like, what? like yeah, but also, like, why was Michigan pressing the Wisconsin walk-ons at the time? Like, yeah. there was no reason for them to be putting some, like, crazy backcourt pressure on them either. Oh, I don't I, know. No, it, I, nobody was in the right in this situation, in my opinion. Like, nobody was in the right. Yeah, Did you see I'm the assistant do the the Triple H like sucking that, thing? Like, that was... <laughs> he had two words for him. <laughs> yeah. That was so as a wrest- as a wrestling fan, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> like it was just nobody was in the right in this situation. All around, just just hilarious. Like, what's going on here? But it's, everyone, it was, it's a wonderful story for a day that like, I mean, other than I guess the. Purdue uh, Illinois game 
there wasn't a ton really going on today um, on the college basketball side. So it was nice to have a little bit of a little bit of fun or not Purdue, Illinois, Purdue Rutgers. Sorry. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was nice to have some, some fun storylines between two teams that are kind of both overrated this year. Uh, yeah. To, oh, yeah. To talk about. Yeah. So, Tim, how'd you become a Seton Hall fan to begin with? So, I mean, just, I mean, I feel like it's a fairly obvious answer, but I mean, I'm a Seton Hall alum. So, the funny thing is, though, I, I live in Utica, New York, which is an hour away from Syracuse. And we will burn up, Utica to the ground. Thank, thank the you. Office. And, you know, there were, <laughs> there were, there were times where I'm like, you know, like, trust me, I would get that quoted to me all the time by friends of mine. I'm like, <laughs> I you know you what? To. Like, like, you know what? Like, sometimes I wish I could, I could do the same, but I mean, at the end of the day, trust me, I'm like, you know, like if this place is sometimes a dump, but you know what? It's my dump. But anyways, <laughs> um, but you know, like I was growing up going to Syracuse games and, you know, I think as a college basketball fan, seeing how good Syracuse was during the years in which I was growing up. Like, I think I kind of got spoiled and I was, my dream was to go to Syracuse um, and to make it into their journalism school, Newhouse, which is arguably the most prestigious in the entire country. Unfortunately, I got waitlisted there. So I had to look elsewhere and Seton Hall kind of came up on my radar because I had known a couple of guys strangely enough from my town and where I went to high school who were down there. I'm like, huh, this is kind of interesting. I think they offer something that I can work with. And I talked to both of them like, yeah, you should totally take a visit. And I went down there like January of my senior year of high school. And I'm like, you know what? I like this place a lot. It's got that small, even though it's a university in a big time school, at least for basketball, you know, it's not really that big time because it's really small for the most part. Uh, and you know, like, it's got that everybody knows everybody type of vibe, which I kind of related to more being someone from a high school that, you know, 260 something in our graduating class is pretty decently sized. But like, I mean, I've seen some people that are like, yeah, my graduating class is like 1500. I'm like, what? That's absurd. So, yeah, you know, yeah. eventually, um, you know, like when I went back for like an accepted students thing, um, after, after all that, I'm like, you know what, this just feels right. And I, I want to, I want to go here. And I made a decision video, uh, you know, like it's like a, you know, like, like it's national <laughs> decision day and I had the hats lined up and I announced to the world, I was taking my talents <laughs> to South orange where Seton hall is, you know, like a la LeBron James, oh, yeah. um, like instead of South beach, I said South orange and it just rolled off the tongue. And, you know, like that's when I committed to Seton hall kind of going off of Seton Hall for a second, who are some of your favorite non-Seton Hall players either this year or in the past? I mean, the first guy that really jumps out, I mean, currently, I mean, Jaden Ivey is just electric. I mean, you know, like he's just gone up and just bodied dudes. I mean, he bodied a dude on Rutgers today. And as a Seton Hall fan and alum, I mean, that brings a huge smile to my face because <laughs> we're not very fond of Rutgers. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Uh, but in the, but I'll tell you what, so in the past, I mean, I, I, I got to go back to Syracuse and when I was seven years old, that was the year Cuse won the whole thing and leading that team, as everyone knows, was Carmelo Anthony. He's and, all right. You know, yeah, yeah, Melo's eye. I mean, yeah. you put a hoodie on him, that's when he becomes elite. Uh, but, <laughs> that's facts. Or, or go to the but, Olympics, one of the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, you know what? Melo winning that championship, I mean, he did something that, like, probably will never be done again 
in Syracuse. And he did that as a 19-year-old kid, really. And for me, you know, Mello became like that hero for me, especially because of the fact that later on he became a Nick and I'm a Knicks fan. And, you know, seeing him kind of like bring that team up to the point where they were on the precipice of content. I'm not saying they were going to go to the NBA finals against LeBron James and beat LeBron James, I should say. But the fact that they were the two seed in the East in 2013 with, yep. you know, Amari, the year after Amari Stoudemire breaks his hand, punching a, punching through glass with a fire hydrant that had a fire hydrant or whatever. And then, you know, Tyson Chandler and, you know, like an old Jason kid, Raymond Felton. I mean, he was playing with a lot of scrubs a good amount of the time when he was in New York. But the fact that he had yeah. him as a two seed that one year, I mean, and again, I don't know. I just loved Mello, loved the way, like I saw a tweet that made him made me love him even more, which was, um, it was a really old picture of him and John Cena back in 2005. And um, uh, and, he, and Mello quote tweet is like, I, I only see me though. Because, you know, <laughs> you can't see John Cena. You can't see me. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, Mello, yeah, Mello's, Mello's another one, and then, you know, it got me really thinking, you know, just over, you know, I mean, G Mac was a guy I loved a lot, um, because I mean, the 2006 run of the Big East tournament that he had was just absolutely unreal, where like he was just going off, um, against the four four day four games four nights, 19 in the Big East tournament, they win the whole thing, um, but you know what's really funny, um. One guy that I hated during my time at Seton Hall, but then once I actually got to know the guy, I just found this newfound respect for him, was uh, from Xavier, J.P. McCura. The white dude, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, the dude on the court, I mean, I'm not going to lie, on the court, he was a bit of an asshole. I mean, because, but to me, what I realized after the fact He's just a like he plays the part like a wrestling heel would, where he just knows how to work yep. the crowd, push people's buttons, and it was psychological and so well done. And I actually got to interview him last summer uh, because he played in TBT uh, for the Xavier alumni team. And the mm-hmm. more I learned, you know, about you know like the kind of guy that he is and just the psychology that went into him, you know, being that villain where you know. We didn't see, I mean, he was at Xavier, so unfortunately he didn't have that kind of platform uh, where, I mean, it sucked because he was in the same year and was there all four years, the same time that Grayson Allen was at Duke. So most people didn't know about J.P. McCura because everyone was so focused on Grayson <laughs> Allen. But McCura, I mean, Grayson Allen was just a dickhead, but let's be real. I mean, what McCura did was way more impressive because it was all psychological. I mean, and he was that dude, and Grayson was just dirty. J.P., I mean, was just so psychologically good at his craft of being a bad guy every time he went on the road. So, I mean, the guy deserves a lot more recognition than he got. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's one of those guys, I don't know if he really ever did much in the, in the league. I know he, I'm pretty sure he went to, he went to Charlotte for a little bit because I used to live in Charlotte. So I would, like, we would go to a couple preseason games. I remember watching some games when he was there, but. Yeah, I don't really know if he ever did much in the league, but he was definitely an absolute like killer on the court in college. Yeah, yeah, and he's like he's the All kind right, of so... guy where I realize I'm like I, I was gonna say it. So I mean, just around that, I mean, he's the kind of guy where yeah. like you know you would love him if he was on your team, but if he's on the team you're facing, 
you hate him. Yeah, for sure. That's how I feel about like Marshall Henderson at Ole Miss. Like, yes, I would have hated him. Like, couldn't stand him. But like, when especially when he was playing Kentucky. But like, also would have loved it. Like, it's like this year's like Lance Ware for Kentucky. This year is kind of stepping a little bit slightly into that role. Not as extreme, not as coked out as uh, Marshall Henderson was. But the, that dude was so so electric to watch. Like, so fun to watch. Uh, you know, when he wasn't playing your team, I was always you know, like rooting for him for some reason. But yeah. <laughs> um, so we we kind of cover a lot of conferences. I know you cover the Big East mainly, but how would you rank the top five conferences in college basketball this season? That is a very good question because I mean, you have your certain conferences that have a lot of depth. There are a lot that are top heavy. Um, so I think. Honest to God, I mean, the fact that Auburn and Kentucky have been so good this year, I think that might put the SEC at the top of my list because, again, you have an Auburn team. Yes, I know they lost to Florida on Saturday, which was a pretty decently sized upset. Kentucky has been very good. By the way, uh, you know, I watched the top 16 reveal, and the fact that Kentucky got a two seed below Kansas in that East region – when Kentucky went into Allen Fieldhouse and beat their brains in, that didn't sit right with me at all. Like, it doesn't make sense. And so, I mean, Auburn and Kentucky being at the top of the SEC and just the rest of the league also being really solid. I mean, Tennessee has been good. Arkansas, I mean, you know, they've had their moments, but, I mean, they've been solid. You know, Alabama has been underwhelming, but still a good team. Uh you know, LSU has had their moments as well, uh, but Georgia, Georgia's held them down. Uh, Georgia's held the SEC down. Let's be yeah. real. I'm shocked. Yeah, they're really bad. <laughs> like, I'm shocked that Tom Crean still has a job as we speak. He won't um, at the end of the season, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think he should be that. employed as like right this very second. But that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah. And then I, I think probably. Big 12, Big 10 are like neck and neck with each other. Yes, I know the Big 10 has a good amount of depth where you have, you know, Purdue, who's really good. You have Wisconsin, who has had, you know, they were looking really good at certain points, but other times you're like, eh, I don't know. Michigan State's fallen off. Michigan has sucked for the most part. Illinois, I mean, most people were counting them out and look what they've become now. I mean, they're, I think they could legitimately have a chance to go to a final four. Uh, and then you have Ohio state and Iowa are both teams. I can't figure out for some reason, Michigan state, as I mentioned for some, I mean, they're, they're falling off and Rutgers has decided to finally play good basketball for whatever reason, <laughs> after having a stretch where they lost to DePaul Lafayette and UMass, which, you know, I just want to point that out for some reason they beat Michigan state, Purdue, Ohio State, and Illinois all at home, but they lost to freaking Lafayette. Like, make that make sense. Travis that Lafayette, Lafayette loss right? is so bad, man. Yeah, it's it's very it's, bad. It's egregious. It's gross. Like, I mean, if I were if I were if I were looking at that resume, I'd pr- I'd puke on sight. If let's be real, it's so, everything looks good, and then you're like, oh, let me hold on, let me just check, just because I have to, let me check quad four record, and you're like, oh, they lost to Lafayette. Yeah. Oh man. That's what bottom 15 in the net right now. It's got to be. It's got to be bottom 10 to 15 teams in the it has, entire country. I, I, mean, I know they're like, like worse 
I don't think there's any way that they're higher than like 330th on Kenpom. Yeah. Out of 350 some teams. Yeah. It's bad. So, I mean, the Big 12, I mean, you have, I mean, yes, KU has been pretty solid. You have had, I mean, Texas hasn't been as good as everyone thought they would be. Uh, Texas Tech has been a revelation. I mean, I'm shocked by how good they've become. And you talk about the Big East. Providence has went against them at home back in December, has aged like wine. So, I yes. mean, yeah. yes, for some reason, like Providence is 22-3, and three, and Ken Palm has said they're like literally the luckiest team in the Ken Palm era. And as, as I was watching their game at Butler today, I could see why. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, they were lucky enough to have the Texas tech win age the way that it has. And then Iowa state, I mean, for some reason they would look, they look so good. And now they're like, like, like what has gotten into that? Like they look like the Iowa state team. That everyone thought they were going to be preseason. And of course you have Baylor defending national champs and they're still really good. Although they're not the same dominant force, like they were in the first month, month and a half of the season, if you will. Yeah. And yep. then I probably put the Big East at four because, you know, you have a I mean, Villanova is still very good. Providence has been a revelation. You have Creighton, who has exceeded expectations big time. And they just swept Marquette. And Marquette, also not bad in their own right either, where, you know, they've swept Villanova. They mm-hmm. have, they beat Illinois at home, granted yep. without Kofi Coburn, but still a win's a win against them. And then they also, you also, and then you also acted adding UConn, who has been playing very good as of late, including beating Seton Hall and Xavier in this past week at home. And then, you know, Seton Hall, I think, should still be a tournament team. I think all they got to do is win, I would say, two or three more games, and they should be good. Uh, it's just, you know, you got to avoid losing to Butler and Georgetown at home. St. John's, because they played such a weak non conference schedule they'll probably be on the outside looking in unless they run the table somehow, some way. Xavier yeah, they have, got they have 11 team. losses already. Yeah, and I mean, they lost a freaking pit at the Garden. Pit. <laughs> um, I mean, and, 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 and again, the, the only, and the only nope. good teams they actually played, KU and Indiana, they both lost those games. Yep. So they don't yeah. really have, out of conference, a really good win. And then, you know, Xavier still got a lot of work to do. They look so good early on, and, you know, they're probably still in, but they just got to find a way to just string a few wins, although, you know, the next three games aren't looking – are going to look tough for them. But being the bottom of the league doesn't – I mean, DePaul pushed Seton Hall, and they beat Xavier in Cincinnati. They beat Seton Hall in Chicago. Um, and But Butler hasn't been great. I mean, they've been underwhelming, but Georgetown just brings that whole league down. And I remember seeing the meme uh, someone I follow made. It's like, uh, you know, Georgetown. And it said, um, you know, give the Big East value or draw the whole deck. And then they drew the and whole it's, deck. They have the 25 yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, that's what Georgetown is, unfortunately, which is sad. Yeah. And then five, I mean, I can't put the ACC. It's It's Duke. Wake and probably everybody else. Notre Dame's been all right. I mean, that's good, a decent enough top three, but I'd probably put the Pac 12 at five uh, because the fact you got a UCLA, you got Arizona. I mean, I, I think overall, I mean, those two teams are really carrying the load. And then it's, I mean, you still got some really bad teams like Arizona State. Oregon State has been horrific. Oregon and then you know, really you're washing, 
and your Washingtons and your Washington States aren't good, but I mean, you look, oh, Oregon's pretty decent. Uh, oh, USC's pretty good. Uh, Arizona State is awful. I remember they dropped 29 points in a whole game back in December against uh, against Wazoo, strangely enough. Cal's bad. And it, it's just, you know, they're, again, one of those top heavy leagues, but Pac-12 barely gets my five spot. Yeah, Pac-12, man. It's I was watching the game last night with uh, Oregon at Arizona, and it was like the announcer is like two minutes left. And the announcer, I think D- Jimmy Dykes, was talking about it, and he was like, "Oh, you know, like if Oregon were to pull this game out and you know win this, they'd have beaten three top five teams this season." It's like, okay, but who are the three? USC, UCLA, and would be would have been Arizona. Maybe we're just ranking these Pac-12 teams too high. Then, <laughs> like Connor, Connor hates so much that UCLA took like a month off and didn't get dinged for it in the rankings at all. It's one of his favorite things to to rant about. Yeah, it is. But the conference of champions. That's Joe right. Walton says. Um, yeah. So also no, I, really I, annoying I, the the fact that um in the in that Oregon Arizona game real quick I'll just I just want to say something like. I think Jimmy Dykes was on the call. I think that's who has said it. Um, the they they Kerr hits a three, puts him up three, um, and then he he had a turnover. Like the Jacob Young, I think is who it is. Young stole the ball, breakaway dunk, instantly cramps up. So they call a timeout um, to resolve that to see if they could get him back in the game, just save him a little bit of time. So out of the timeout, they go to a press. Uh, Oregon does, or and then like. One kid, one guy fouls. Uh, it was Benedict Matherin. He fouls him, and it's, and it's a one and one. And they're like, "Why would he foul here?" It was like on accident. It wasn't an intentional foul. He fouls. Him. He's like, "Why are you fouling here? Why are you fouling here? It's just a bad foul." Blah blah blah. He misses the second of the one and one. So they only got one point. They're only up two at this point. And you know they go down. They try to hit. A, you know they they don't end up not making it. Or, no. And Folly Delta comes down with the ball, gets a rebound. Uh, but gets fouled instantly, misses the front end of the one and one, and they keep on going back to that foul. That foul of the initial thing on the break. It's like that wasn't a bad foul though. Like he missed the one. He missed one of two shots. It's not really that bad of a foul, uh, you know. And it wasn't intentional. He's just trying to break, you know, get break the lane and get a steal. But all right, that's my many rants over. Go ahead, Dell. I don't. I don't know how I can follow that up. That was, it's so annoying. You said, like you said I just everything. When commentators complain about fouls, it's so annoying. It's like it, it, fouls happen, accidents it, happen. You know, like, this is why you don't listen to games like oh with yeah, the commentators. I, I I was watching it in bed too on my phone with my AirPods, and I was half tempted to just turn the volume down, take my AirPods out, and just watch it without it. But yeah, whatever. That is the correct move. Yeah. All right, go. Now, what what, what else? What else we got? Uh, women's college basketball. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just kind of a real quick question before we uh we wrap up. How did you? I know that you cover women's basketball. So how did you get into that? And what's your favorite part about the the women's game compared to to the men's game? That follow up is a really great question. Uh, because it's something that you know you don't really think about, but then the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, there's these different elements that give it appeal. And the reason why I started, you know, integrating women's basketball coverage into the Igloo is because of the fact that, you know, last year the Big East brought back the Yukon Huskies. And we all know 
UConn is the team in women's college basketball, and they have the player okay. in the women's game. <laughs> and yeah, they're I. I mean, with with an A at the end, as I like to spell it. <laughs> at, at the beginning, I should say. I, I do an A-I-G-H-T. I, I yeah, see some people go I-G-H-T. Yeah. No, I, I think dumb. that's the right way to do it. Because it's all it's a way of saying all right. So it, there's got to be right. an A in there, right? So, thank, finally, exactly. thank you. But, and n- not to mention, UConn has the player in the game, even though she's been out for a, a very extended period of time, Paige Beckers, who, yep. you know, she's absolute really baller. Good. She's very, very good at basketball. And, you know, the whole conference is pretty good in their own right, too. It's not just UConn. I mean, Marquette's had a pretty solid program coming up over the last few years. DePaul's always been consistently good. Seton Hall, even though, you know, there were high expectations for them this year, they're still a really good team and, you know, have won a regular season title in recent memory. And then you have Creighton, who's been shockingly really good. I mean, they actually had a stretch where, you know, before today – they had their last two games. They made a combined forty-two three-pointers in two games. Like I'm not making that number up. Forty-two made three-pointers. They had twenty-two and then twenty, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, let it fly. I mean, yeah. it's the same mantra for the women's team, like the men's team, and only appropriate because they're the Blue Jays. And then um, I'm trying to think of you know, like looking at the and Villanova also is really good, I, and they beat UConn. Granted, they UConn was very shorthanded, but it takes a very good team to beat them nonetheless. And Villanova is really good because right. they have a legit top flight player in Maddie Seegers, who's averaging like twenty five a game or something like that this year. And you know, I really and I called this back in October. If she wins Big East Player of the Year, that means I would have predicted this to the T, where I said if something bad happens to Paige Beckers, God forbid, Maddie Seegers, I think gets Big East Player of the Year. And if that happens, I said this back in October, I'm going to look like the smartest man on the face of the planet. <laughs> and again, it's like, it's like, oh, it's a women's college basketball prediction. Who gives a shit? But like, do you know how hard it is to predict something like that? It's very yeah. hard. And not to mention, right. you have DePaul, who has this freshman who's not that big. She's only six foot one. She's leading the entire country in rebounds. She's got like 20 something double doubles already this year. And she's top like 30, top 40 in the country in scoring as well. Anissa Morrow, and she is just unreal. I mean, you have a, a lot of good players in this conference, and that adds to the fact that, oh, yeah, oh, and you got UConn in this league on top of all that. So, and obviously, you know, the women deserve their just due. And, you know, when I was at Big East Media Day back in October, talking to these players, talking to these coaches, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I got an untapped market here, and I'm like, I'm, I was kind of getting lazy with coverage in the initial stages, but I'm like, you know what? I really need to go all in because, you know, I think I can develop a new audience that can breathe some life into the igloo. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously not the same level of athleticism uh, on the women's side as the men's, but, but because they lack, like, some of the, like, elite athleticism compared to men's, like, I think people think that, like, they're not as good of basketball players, and which is just, like, so far from the truth yeah. that it is it is crazy. I mean, like, cause, because you, they can't do the, the crazy athletic stuff, like, they have to be so good at basketball. And it's honestly, like, watching the WNBA, especially over the last couple of years, has been, like, 
the the product there they I think they're gonna expand pretty soon and they honestly need to because there's such an influx of talent on the women's basketball side that they now have people that are really really good and deserve to be pros they can't even make rosters because they don't have enough teams so yeah. I know they got that yeah. funding uh, a couple a couple weeks ago and they should expand soon but and, sp- and speaking of that, you know, one player I should have mentioned, this is on the women's side that I, I really like watching. I love watching Caitlin Clark. I mean, she is a bucket at Iowa. I mean, she, I, th- I think she hits the logo three Betty better than any man could in the NCAA. She's so smooth with it. She pulls up like it's nothing too. She makes it look like, like so easy. You, yeah. you know, like, like, like Drake said, um, she hits a motherfucking think- layup. <laughs> exactly. And by the, the way, uh, the reason why you, the, you listen to the igloo, stupid pop culture references like that. <laughs> we we hit them a lot here too, for sure. So can appreciate that. Shaking hands on that one for sure. That's right. Um the uh th- my favorite part about women's is the fact that they actually have quarters because and so you know the team's foul fouls reset and I just oh, yeah, I love it. Makes so too, much. It makes too much sense, Connor. We can't we can't have sense. that level yeah, of yeah. Why, yeah, like every other level of basketball, yeah, there's quarters except for men's college basketball. <laughs> I don't get it at all. I guess it's got to be a time thing. That's the only thing I, I think it is, but um, whatever. Who cares? Let's move on here. Before we – let's wrap up with this question. We're going to miss – sorry, my dog's going crazy. Uh, we're going to wrap up with the, one more question here. If you um, – actually – where can our listeners find you and any of your work online um, so if they're not familiar with you? So I think the best way, um, you know, because like I, I, where I promote my content and all that, obviously, first, first step, first and foremost, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the handle to follow is at the real Timmy Ice. And on Twitter is probably where I'm most active, where I'm posting you know, you know, my new episodes, I usually do three a week. What I real I was trying to do only two a week. And then I realized during the weekends on the women's side, you get 10 games a weekend. Like that's a lot to recap. Yeah. Oh, so I'm like, you know what? I probably got to break this up where I'm doing a women's episode on Monday, do the men on Tuesday, and then kind of put it all together and get you, get the whole table set for the weekend on Fridays. So I mainly post those links. It's easier to access that way. And then um, on Instagram, you'll also, you know, like I'll post also, you know, like if I do interviews, I'll post links to those. Cause I know those tend to be the ones that get the most hits. And, and then I also do, you know, like for the summer collegiate baseball team we work for the Utica blue sock. I also tweet out, retweet all that content that I do for them as well, where I, where I got run a sock, run their podcast, you know, interviewing, you know, former players and all these other people, you know, have come through the organization. And then uh, in terms of the podcast, the igloo, the coolest podcast in college basketball, in my, as I like to brand it because, you know, puns, um, <laughs> the, you know, it's available anywhere you get pot. It's available on Spotify. It's available on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, like, the funny thing is on – so I make it through Anchor. And they actually give you the statistics based on where most of the yeah. listeners find it. And Apple Podcasts is probably number one. I think it's a – by a vast majority. So if you're – and I know everyone's Team Apple, and I'm not, and I feel lame for doing that. But it's whatever. At this point, I've come to accept that. I am a loser. <laughs> um like Beck, but anyways, uh, Apple Podcasts. If you're on Team Apple, that's probably the place to go check it out. But it is on Spotify as well as Anchor, 
Um, I think I'm probably going to, I see everyone's doing a link tree now, so I should probably jump on that trend as well. So people can find multiple avenues, but Apple's Apple podcast, Spotify, anchor, probably the three best ways to find the Yigloo. And then obviously follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the real team, the ice, especially Twitter. If you want to see some dank memes. There you go. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's move on here. This is Shark Tank Upsets. Each host pitches an upcoming game using stats and reasoning to convince the sharks to buy in. Sharks can buy a pint, case, keg, or be completely out. This is Shark Tank Upsets, and this week, Beers and Buckets returns to the tank. Alright Tim, um, go ahead and pitch us your upset, man. What do you got for us this week? Is it a Big East edition? It will be a Big East edition. The funny thing is I was looking at the games prior to pitching this upset because there aren't really a lot of big-time upset opportunities. Like, UConn can definitely beat Villanova at home. Xavier can definitely go into the dunk and beat Providence. And, I mean, I don't think Butler's going to beat Seton Hall, although, um, although you never know with Butler. But, I mean, going into Newark, I wouldn't be feeling good about that. And not in a non-biased way, but let's be real. I mean, especially when you blow a 19-point lead to Providence in overtime, and now you got to go to Newark to play a Seton Hall team that's essentially fighting for its NCAA tournament hopes. You know, not a good storm. And then Creighton-St. John's, I mean, I don't think it's really an upset with, you know, if St. John's were to win, I wouldn't consider it an upset. If Creighton were to win in Carnesecca, wouldn't really consider it an upset either. But Thursday night, Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C., a blockbuster (laughs) – to Paul Georgetown at um in in Washington D.C. Now Georgetown at this point they're 0 and 15 in the league and again we're, ta- we're this is the defending biggest tournament champions we're talking about and yes I know it's a Cinderella run a year ago but still reigning biggest tournament champions they have a legendary head coach in the form of Patrick Ewing it, more of a legend in the playing game rather than in the coaching game because other than winning the Big East, biggest tournament last year hasn't really been good for for yeah. him his return to his alma mater and here they are at 0 and 15 in the league. 16 losses in a row dating back to December 18th when they lost to TCU before they started their Big East slate. So, you know, they're playing DePaul. You know, this is probably their best chance to win a Big East game this year because after this, they got to play UConn at home in their last home game of the year, and then they got to go to Seton Hall, and then they got to go to Xavier. So, I mean, it's, it's now or never at this point. And Georgetown, I think for the sake of their team and for their fans – Some's telling me that they're going to pull together and find a way to win this game, especially because DePaul had a chance to beat Seton Hall in Newark, but couldn't close it out, unfortunately, and they lost a heartbreaker. And, I mean, I would assume they're going to be dejected and dejected enough to the point where Georgetown has that little bit of room to breathe and capitalize. So I'm in Georgetown, knowing that they, again, the last time they played in Chicago, it was tied at 49. And DePaul went on a 26 to nothing run to blow it wide open. And somehow, some way, Georgetown only lost that game by eight. And the reason why is because <laughs> they somehow, some way, in the latter stage of these games, they get these three point barrages from mainly from this guy named Caden Rice, transferred from the Citadel, who at, I think the Citadel at one point was like the highest scoring team in the country. Uh, because say, they have a couple of transfers that have, that have made some noise. Yeah, Caden Rice was made a lot of noise early on, but has been relegated to the bench in Big East play. But he's like their microwave, you know, like just bring him in. But if he once he gets hot, 
he is on fire from deep and he can make some bombs. So if Caden Rice can, you know, get it going and make some threes and swing some momentum for Georgetown and get some help, mainly from Dante Harris, who, by the way, as a freshman, won biggest tournament, most outstanding player, hasn't been the same since, not even close. If he can run the point and get back to that level where he was in the garden last year, you know, I think Georgetown is going to win this game, especially because Harris is a D.C. kid. You know, he's from the actual city. It's not like he's just from a neighboring town. He's from Washington, D.C. And he's got to show out in a game like this. And I, I think deep down, I think Georgetown knows that it's now or never at this point. So I think they will capitalize on this. And finally, for the first time since the Big East Championship game, March 13th of 2021, <laughs> the Hoyas will win a Big East game against the DePaul Blue Demons. Dal, what do you think? I'm I'm all in. Like, I one I think that the three point shooting is is the big thing. I think that's kind of the differentiator between these two teams because neither of these teams are really that good. Also, just it's so hard to go un or to go un. I was gonna say undefeated, but to go defeated <laughs> in a in conference play. Um, they're they're super young. They I mean they don't have a ton of. I think they're three hundred and something. Uh, in terms of experience, but it's just so hard to go defeated in a league, especially when it's not I mean, like the top of the big the Big East is is kind of a like a, a real grinder. But yeah, I mean, with this being their their last real main shot at actually getting a win, but they come out focused, they hit some threes. Uh, so I'm buying a keg on this one. I'm I'm all in. Uh, I'm out. Just... I mean, yeah, I I'm, I'm going to go DePaul with is a fun team, man. They're, and they're a fun fan base. They are. And I, I'm a Dwayne PV guy. So say, gotta be, gotta be like... for that. Uh, yeah, I just, Georgetown is so bad. Like, <laughs> they are so really bad. bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, it's hard for me to just say, yeah, like I'm in on this team that has six wins on the year because it's so bad. But, uh, yeah. I really want Patrick Ewing to be successful at Georgetown, but it's not shaping up that way. And there's more, there's more cases where hiring a former player doesn't work than it does. So uh, that kind of sucks. Also, it's, I really want Patrick Ewing to be successful as a coach. I just like him a lot, but yeah, no, I'm out. I'm out here. So uh, can't, can't go, can't go against the team that hasn't, or, can't go for a team that hasn't won a conference game this season. That's just too hard to, they're due. to try fair. and say, I got believe. Especially they're actually not due. It's 0 15 at this point. Yeah. 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 So tough. So tough. So Dal, what do you think? What what's your what's your pitch this week? Um, so I am making my way to the Big Ten and a team that we have said multiple times is overrated uh the wisconsin <laughs> badgers one are in the big 10 <laughs> true it, it doesn't really narrow it down in terms of that is a fair point sir uh but this is a team that i feel like we mention more often yeah than most uh, one of the greatest presidents in our history ben franklin once said beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. None of what I just said is actually true, but who cares because beer. 
This is the part of the episode where each of us reviews a beer that we've either never had before or we just highly recommend. Let's drink. Sal, what you drinking tonight, my man? We've got a gumball head from Three Floyds. It's an American wheat pale ale. On the side it says, it's not normal. Uh, Three Floyds is a brewery out of Munster, Indiana. And let me see if it has a little... It is 5.6 ABV. An American wheat ale brewed with white wheat and dry hopped with hand-selected hops from the Yamaka or Yakima Valley. Excuse me. Yamaka. <laughs> Yamaka. Is, 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 Yakima. Not a Jewish hat. Uh, the Yakima Valley. Bright and refreshing with a lemony finish. Uh, I've heard, I think I've seen this beer before, like I've heard of it, but I've never actually had it. So we'll, we'll see how it is. Whoa, so I like, definitely you can taste the hops, especially like right when you first sip on it, but it finishes more like a wheat ale than an IPA. Like the bitterness goes away pretty quickly. Hmm, that's really good. It's like, I don't know, I haven't really had a beer that tastes like this before, but it's pretty solid, and especially for 5.6, that's pretty... That's like relatively high for how smooth it yeah. is. Um, so that's what that's the part of the IPA I hate is the it's not the initial like part. It's the 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 aftertaste and the the lingering hops that you taste. You but you like you said it, it's more it finishes more like a wheat yeah. ale. Might need to try that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, college basketball team that it is um i'm gonna go i'm gonna actually go gonzaga so it whenever you see it it you know it seems like that it is it's one thing but then it kind of changes into another gonzaga i guess now the cat is kind of out of the bag and they're a perennial contender but it used to be like this oh they're kind of like gimmicky they're a um they're just that team from the west coast that Occasionally is good, but then we'll fizzle out. They don't play right, anybody, exactly, so, kind of thing. Yeah. But now they have a, a bigger resume, and, and you get more than than you expect, and that's kind of um, yeah. That's kind of what this beer is. What you got for us? Cool. So I am. I went with. Uh, it's called Red Right Return. I don't know if you know anything about boating or anything but red right return is it's the rule that you follow when you're in a channel so i mean like i think i don't i think you're smart enough you know what a channel is but not everybody who listens podcast doesn't especially being in most of our podcast listeners are from kentucky or whatever so a channel and the you know nautical channel or whatever is where they go and drudge out um they make it deeper so that way boats you know like it's just easier to travel and you can go faster you don't have to worry about any rocks or anything at the bottom um because you know usually you're getting towards inland the water's shallow or whatever so that's what a channel is and they have these things called channel markers so when you're leaving going out of the channel it is green and you keep it on the right side but when you're returning in to to shore you want to keep your red markers on the right so the rule is red right return 
Um, this is from Marker 48 Brewing, which is in Wikiwachi. Um, if you've never been to Wikiwachi, they don't, there's not a lot there except for they have this little like spring and they have these actresses that play mermaids and they have these like oxygen tanks there. But so pretty much not a lot to do in Wikiwatch except for go to the spring and go to Marker 48 Brewing apparently because the tap house is huge there. The brew house is huge, but this is an Irish red ale. And it, the description says all the things you love an Irish red multi medium body and the slight roast makes this beer perfect for drinking any time of the day or night. So brewed and canned and wiki watchy 6.0% uh, ABV. It's a pint and it's a uh, 19 IBUs. So I don't know. My only experience with a red ale has been the uh, Killian's red ale, which is pretty good. Red Irish ale, not my favorite. So I do have a, uh blue moon light sky on like right handy if i don't really care for this and don't want to finish this but uh i'll I'll give it a try let's see what tastes here it's definitely not my favorite like it's really dark um it's not hoppy though i mean like 19 ibu so that's a good thing that's what it has going for it for sure if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Rocky versus Apollo, Daniel LaRusso versus Johnny Lawrence, Ali versus Frazier. What do they all have in common? They were absolute throwdowns. This is the part of the show where we discuss some throwdown games in college basketball this week. All right, throwdown games starting with Monday the 21st. We record this Sunday night, so if you're listening to this Monday, on the drive to work or on your drive home from work or on your lunch break or whatever. This is tonight. Louisville at UNC 7 PM on ESPN. Who do you guys like? I mean, I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, Louisville's in shambles, Carolina. Yeah. Same. Both these teams are in shambles, but UNC could actually still make the tournament and it's at home. So UNC. And UNC has a head coach. So yeah, give me UNC at this one at home for them. Then we have another bubble watch game, Indiana at Ohio State, 7, uh, 7 p.m. as well, FS1. Who do you guys like? You know, I'm going with the Buckeyes here, although Indiana has a outside chance of winning. I- I'm going to go OHIO. I'm going to go Indiana. I think they have more to play for, uh, and Trish Jackson Davis is a is a stud. EJ Liddell is the best player in the Big Ten, in my opinion, but I'm going to go Indiana on this one. Um, I'm, I'm kind of torn between these two. I think both have a lot to play for. Um, not mistaken. Didn't know Ohio state you lose yesterday. They get upset. I'm looking it up now to see. Sure. They did. They lost to Iowa. Mm, yeah. 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 I'm going to go Ohio state here. I think they have, like you said, even though they, Indiana has more to play for, I think Ohio state wants the, you know, wants to make up for that loss at Iowa. So give me Ohio state here. Tuesday night, the 22nd, we have Villanova at UConn at 8 p.m. Tim, Big East game, what do you think? 
right up my alley. You know, I think because of the fact that this game is at the XL Center and not at Gamble Pavilion, big advantage for Nova. V's up. Cats went on the road. Ooh, okay, okay. I almost uh, pitched this one for my upset. Um, so you're going but, UConn? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go UConn here. They're one of the only teams this... They're the only one of the only teams, except for I guess two couple unranked teams, but that beat our Auburn this year. So you kind of got a got a chip on your shoulder when you're getting upset. You you're not pitched to favor or to win the game. I'm gonna go with UConn here. Um, then enough. we have we're, it's not South Dakota State, but San Diego State at Boise, 9 p.m. on CBSSN bubble watch game. What do you guys think? For the record, I fucking hate CBS Sports Network games because, I mean, let's it's... be real. Pete Gillen, Steve Lapis are super annoying, and then as color commentators, and then you have just, yeah. I mean, just horrible, just not very good production. Uh, but to get back to the game, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the Aztecs winning a tough one in Boise, but things might get weird there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Aztecs. It's a homer pick for me. My little sister goes there, moving there uh, pretty soon. So got to go San Diego State there. But they uh, – it's weird because they, they had a bunch of games off for COVID. So I don't know exactly how the conference standings are going to work. But uh, San Diego State, I think, has like now the best defense in the country. So this game is going to be super low scoring, and I'm going to Aztecs. Yeah, uh, I don't really watch either of these teams. I can't say like I sit down and get excited to watch either of these teams. So when I don't know a lot about either team, I look up the record, look at where the game's located. Boise State has a better record, and it's a home game for them. I'm going to go with them and ride with that and roll the dice there. So Plus, you don't even know that it's San Diego State normally. So yeah, well, I'm just so used to seeing the Jackrabbits, you know what I mean? South Dakota State, bro. Like, come on. No, Wednesday the 23rd, Xavier at Providence, 7 p.m. Tim, Big East, what do we got? Providence is the luckiest team, according to Ken Palm, <laughs> in the Ken Palm era. And for some reason, they have such crazy good luck. And for some reason, when they play Xavier, I mean, they beat them on a buzzer beater pretty much in Cincinnati. I think they finish off the sweep at the dunk. Yeah, I think Providence is like weird because they have three losses, but they're in the 40s in Ken Palm, and Xavier is very much ahead of them. I, I'll go with the lucky team and think that they get the get the win as well. The Fryrish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Providence is weird because they're one of the few teams to have. Um, who did they beat earlier in the season? That that was Texas a, Tech. It, they beat Texas Tech. Yeah. That was when Texas Tech, like, they were really high in Ken, Ken Palm, but they hadn't played anybody yet. Uh, so that was the first real test for Texas Tech, and they and they did um, lose that game, but then they beat Tennessee. So, uh, you know, I'll go Providence here, home game again. Uh, and, yeah. and by the way, I mean, I don't know if you guys know about this. So, I mean, certain teams have their songs. I mean, at, at the basketball level, Duke has every time we touch. Wisconsin, they yeah. got jump around. But for that. some reason, at Providence, their song is I've come to find out. Uh, they played at the under four for Villanova, but and I think it was like maybe like during a random timeout against DePaul. Their song now is a sing along. It's "You Belong with Me" by Taylor Swift. Oof, <laughs> that's it's really like, funny. It's <laughs> very weird. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Providence because they seem very pasty. Let's be that's real. hilarious. Yeah, it's it's in the it's in the small state of the country. It's in New England, and they're all belting out to 
old That's school. That's really Swift. funny. So yeah, but I mean, I mean I'm not gonna lie. I was Supreme annoyed. Swift, but yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was annoyed by it at first, and then I watched it. I'm like, um, like I would be, I'd be getting into it too. It's just infectious. It's fun. Anything that annoys like, the other team more is is always worth it. Like Sandstorm yeah. for South Carolina is objectively annoying, but the fact that it would make it makes the other team like even more mad, you have to embrace it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I don't know if I wish it was like a club mix or something if they were to do it cuz I feel like this is a weird song to do, but Acoustic. then you got you got to go acapella. <laughs> but then you have you have like teams like a lot of people, a lot of teams are doing that like uh the mr Brightside with the killers so it's like okay like you could pretty much do whatever you know so yeah right. like I yeah mean, we'll move let, on let's certain let certain places have i mean if michigan wants to have that fine and but once everyone starts copying it that's when it starts getting lame yeah 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 exactly so all right lsu at kentucky nine on espn wednesday night Ugh, i don't know how this game's gonna go guys I am actually, I will be attending this game. I will be getting a much needed haircut right before (laughs) and then going to the game. Uh, I mean, I think Kentucky's going to beat them. We should have beat them on the road. And we'll actually, well, even we might not even have all of our players, but we saw that that didn't really matter when we had time to prep. So I'm going Kentucky. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to side with you on that when I got the Cats winning at home. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go Kentucky. It's just going to be tough because LSU's defense is really good. They have no offense. I think if you look at this game, the Alabama-Kentucky game from this past weekend, it really wasn't the offense that really that had a lot of issues. It was the fact that Alabama was playing physical and they, they were making a lot of threes. So um, I don't trust LSU's offense to come in and and win them a game here so no i'm going kentucky as well but it's just going to be gross and physical and it's it's a weird 9 p.m on a wednesday night it's just set up for a weird game for kentucky i know there's going to be like 50 fouls too um so yeah but you know what's coming but 9 p.m wyoming at colorado state what do you guys think barn burner in the mountain west i mean i love wyoming but man colorado state i mean I mean, they're going to have the best player on the court in this game. I'm going to ride with the Rams. You think you think Rowdy's better than DeMaldonado? Slightly, but he's got an edge. I, I think he's definitely the best pro prospect. Uh, as someone who capes super hard for Alondis Williams to win ACC Player of the Year by a lot, I feel like I have to get on the Maldonado train as well because he essentially has this like very similar stats to Linus Williams. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go Wyoming here just cause I have a buddy that's a Wyoming fan. Maldonado's dope, but I actually am like excited about this. So this should be, this should be a good game. Uh, I'm going to go pokes here. Uh, even though I think, Colorado is probably the better Colorado state's probably the better team for, you know, like as a bubble watch or whatever. I think Wyoming's probably going to be more fun. They both both should make it outright. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're right. Um, Yeah. I'm going to, I'm still going to go pokes here. So, all right. Thursday, the 24th, Ohio state at Illinois, 9 PM. The only good game on Thursday that we saw. uh, It's a tough game. Like, I don't even know who I'm going to pick. I'm going to hear you guys talk first. Yeah, I, I think for me, I mean, Illinois has been on such a roll, and Kofi Coburn, I mean, he might not be the best player in the Big Ten because EJ Liddell has a very good grip on that, but 
I mean, Coburn is arguably the most dominant at the center position. I think you see him have a big game like this, especially at home. I'm going I-L-L-I-N-I for the win. Yeah, I picked, I picked against Indiana, or I picked against Ohio State earlier at home. I think I'm going to go Illinois, too. They, they've they kind of been rounding into form now that they have Corbello back. Uh, so I'll go the Illini as well. I'm going to go Ohio State here. I think Illinois has had a couple of close games last week. They almost blew, like, a 10-point lead. Um, who, I forget who they're playing, but we were recording – at the time, uh, it was came down to Barbarner. I just think Illinois has gotten – they've been on the lucky end of a lot of these those type of games the last couple of weeks, and I think they're going to slip up here. Um, so give me Ohio State again. They'll go 2-0 in the week. Then we have Saturday. There are no good games on Friday that yeah, we saw. Friday's Saturday. slate is maybe the worst in the last, like, two take, months. It's take so Take your bad. significant other out. Go out yes. with some friends, do something, get out there, take a little break from college basketball because you Saturday you'll be right back in it on the 26th because there's like 50 games it feels like that you could watch all day long and be we had you know, we had Dylan Dylan on last last week for uh for tortillas and takes and he shout out the solid verbal one of their big things is they do like the window of opportunity on Saturdays where it's yeah. like what's the the break in the games where if you need to take like go out to lunch with your with your wife or do something with the kids like this is your window of opportunity where you're not going to miss many of the games and your window of opportunity is literally all of friday yeah just do it friday don't do anything on saturday because from noon to midnight 12 to 12 you're going to be watching college basketball probably so purdue at michigan state 12 o'clock who do you guys think man for some reason michigan state drops the ball at at the breast of the center which that's that's abnormal and purdue i mean arguably the deepest you know most well-rounded team in the country i would say most well-rounded the big 10 Uh, i'm gonna boiler up winning on the road yeah no purdue Jaden ivy is a stud uh we talked about him earlier i think he's uh, he's probably not the best player in the country but he's easily one of the most uh exciting so i'm going purdue as well so out of left field here, I'm actually going Michigan State. I think they need this win. They need something. You got like even though you said Tim, they they lost at home, which makes no sense. Uh, Purdue, I think, is kind of coasting their way um, into this tournament. Um, I mean that that loss at Michigan or was pretty bad. I mean that was just pretty bad. Um, so I think Michigan State needs this more. I think Izzo. It's a make or break time for him with this team in this season. So give me Michigan State, but it'll be come it'll come in overtime by like two points, and not by any fault of Jaden Ivy. Uh, that that kid is incredible. So bubble watch game, Butler at Marquette, one o'clock. You guys know how I feel about Marquette. Shaka Smart, that dude, different Connor, animal at Marquette. Connor loves. Shaka Smart and Marquette so I, much. Yeah, I don't really love him. Don't really love him, but the fact that like he only shows out when he's coaching at Marquette is just hilarious to me. Like, sucked his entire career at Texas, so comes back to the first season at Marquette, and just is absolutely on a tear. Uh, but give me Marquette in this one. So for me, I mean, this is right in my alley because it's not. And by the way, for those that, if you didn't know, 
that day is National Marquette Day, and I mean they go all out for this thing. And yeah. you were if this, I mean, like you like you really think this team's going to lose on National Marquette Day? Hell no, especially against Butler. Give me Shaka and the boys. And by the way, if Ed Cooley does not end up winning the regular season title for Providence, Marquette, if they just win, if they win out, they win the last three games. I really believe Shaka should get Biggie's coach of the year because he's got the 10th youngest team in the country and they're projected to finish ninth out of 11 teams in, in the preseason. So I'm going to go Marquette and Shaka for Biggie's coach of the year right now. I like that. I like that. I, uh, I think the, the news that it's Marquette national Marquette day uh, means I can't pick against them. Plus Butler is, is rough and talking about teams that need a win. Like Marquette can't lose any more games probably, or they are going to, be t- it's going to be tough for them to to make the tournament. So, uh, give me Marquette. All right. So, um, two o'clock, Kentucky at Arkansas. And Bud Walton. What do you guys think? This is where Connor gets off the must bus. <laughs> you know, I just. I mean, go ahead, Dal. Hit. I, I I think Kentucky wins this. I think we match up pretty well against Arkansas, especially if we have one or both of our, our point guards back. Um, I don't know, Kentucky's just on a roll. Uh, speaking of Kentucky, one guy, you know, and, and because I got to see him because he's a former Big East guy, but, man, I love Davion Mintz. I love his work ethic, the way he plays the game, his leadership. Um, I made a sign yeah. about him my junior year is that, yo, Davion, your breath smells. You could use some breath mints, and he got a kick out of it. <laughs> ah, so I think Davion – I think I think – I think Davion, Davion and I, I think we're cool. Um, so I, and because of my whole correlation with Arkansas and watching them, you know, shaft Seton Hall in the tournament back in 17, I'm going to go with Kentucky winning on the road. So my heart's telling me no, but my mind is telling me. But your seat on the bus bus is telling you. (laughs) It's so frustrating because, all right, so SEC teams at home, like I'm just I'm just looking at that history. Arkansas's really been really good. They've only had two losses in the last two months. They played some really good teams. They upset Auburn at home, you know, which was the number one team in the nation at the time. Kentucky, I think Calipari is kind of at this point. He's just looking forward to SEC tournament and uh, in March. And I think I think at this point he's okay with a, a ranked loss like SEC road loss. So I don't know if he's going to go you know all out like he would you know, earlier in the season. So still not sure about the tie tie Wheeler situation. If we have Wheeler back, I like Kentucky's chances more, but I don't think tie ties coming back um, anytime in the next week. So I'm actually going to go Arkansas here just because I feel like there's more, there's more there for them to win than, you know, like it, if it was at, if it was at Rupp, it'd be different, but you know, yeah, I'm going Arkansas here. Unfortunately, sorry, Kentucky fans. All right, Seton Hall at Xavier, 3.30. What do you guys think? See, this is such an intriguing matchup. I mean, I know it involves the alma mater. And by the way, you know, I, if I wasn't a Seton Hall fan, I mean, which Biggie's team would I like the most? Honestly, it's Xavier. They got a lot of funny people out there. And um, I know Centos is going to be electric. Uh, it's always one of the toughest places to play in the country. And, you know, Seton Hall's had their road woes, although I, they've won in the Garden. They've they won in Ann Arbor, but let's be real, Michigan clearly isn't that number four team in the country like they were back in November. But 
Um, with that being said, I feel like that's a really long way of going around the fact that I'm going to take Xavier winning a close one over Seton Hall in Cincy. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't pick against Seton Hall with, with Tim on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We, we know we like to, to pander to the guests. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. This, this, seem, this seems like a fun upset, so I'm going to go Seton Hall. I mean, uh, th- to be to be fair, yes, Seton Hall's won three times in a row at Cintas. The Seton Hall here, why not? Let's I mean, do like, it. I mean, hey, blue and white, gotta love it. <laughs> the stat of the fact that they're three hundred fifty fourth in free throw percentage on like for defense, so that doesn't. I don't love that, you know, especially going on the road. But we'll see. Uh, oh yeah, there's Seton Hall. Just gotta close out harder on those free throws, man. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's the fact that they allow teams to get to the line that often is what I think is what it is, right? No, it yeah, just it's means they get, I mean, they, and by the way, so, start, so at at UConn last week, uh, they, UConn took twenty free throws. Seton Hall took six. How many? How many threes did they take though? That's one thing that I've noticed. It's like okay, but like the style of play definitely affects it too. Uh, you yeah. know, like, like a lot of Arca- or a lot of uh, Alabama fans complaining about Kentucky only getting like six or seven calls the whole game against Alabama. Well, Alabama <laughs> shot 43s. So, and they did call a foul on one, one of the threes, <laughs> you know, like they did get a, a three point opportunity there, but it's hard to draw fouls if you don't play physical and Alabama doesn't play physical. So, um, you know, that, that, that factors into it as well. But I'm with you, though. Refs usually pander to the home audience, the home crowd. That much is true. Well, except for when you're playing Commissioner Jay Wright in Villanova. (laughs) That's true. Well, that's because that's probably the best team in the Big East that has an opportunity to uh, make it to the tournament. So they got to pump up their their team there. Yeah, that's that's fair. (laughs) Unfortunately, but yeah. All right. Auburn at Tennessee, 4 o'clock. This is going to be a fun game, I think. I put this strictly on here so that Connor could rant about Auburn being mid uh, on the road, and they're so, committing to it, buddy. They are committing to that. That's you true. Know, like every big game that they've had on the road, they've been mid in. <laughs> so it's like, okay, <laughs> prove me, prove me right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Auburn gets this one now. Yeah, I think so too. I think Tennessee's offense is too bad. Yeah, no, for real. I remember watching that game where they lost to Texas Tech in overtime at the Garden, and like that was one of the worst offensive displays I've ever seen in my life. And there have been some really bad ones this year on top of that. So uh, for that alone, I'm going to go War Eagle. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's offense has one good spurt in them a month, and they used it all uh, in the Kentucky game at home. So, you know, whatever. It's Auburn. Auburn's probably, you know, like they – they're probably not going to take another loss uh, to like, if they do take another loss, it'll be, I don't, I don't even know who's left on the schedule for them, but this will be the opportunity for the, for them to take another loss in the conference. I don't think it's going to come on Tuesday or when, you know, whenever this game is Saturday. Yeah. So, at, Miss, at Mississippi state would be the other one on next Wednesday. And even then that's like the Mississippi state beat Missouri by the two tonight. So it's not like it's, yeah, Mississippi State's kind of fallen off as well. So, uh, 
you know, we'll see what what Auburn does. I mean, if it, if they're if Auburn goes out and Jabari Smith has twenty points of like the twenty eight points that they had in yeah at one point and a half, like I think he had like twenty of like thirty or something like that, and then they continue to not look to him for the rest of the game, then sure, give me Tennessee. But they got to learn their lesson and go to their best player to close out games, and they haven't so far. I think this could be a close game where they could go to. Jabari Smith, because I don't think there's a player for Tennessee that could actually stop Jabari Smith, but Viscovi and Chandler could definitely close down on Wendell Green and um, Katie Johnson or any of those guys. So give me Auburn in this one. All right, then we have eight o'clock Kansas at Baylor on ESPN. This should be a fun game. What do you guys think? Ooh, this is a tough one. I mean, Baylor at in Waco. Oftentimes, I mean, there were times where like you know they would look invincible, but Texas Tech kind of like brought them back down to earth a little bit. Is Baylor still really good? Heck yeah. Uh, and I don't know with Kansas, you know, they're so they could, they're, they could be a lot better than they actually are. And one of my best friends is actually, even though he went to Seton Hall with me, he was a Kansas fan. And so I hate the fact that I'm doing this to him, but I'm going to take the bears winning at home. Yeah, this is a, this is a really tough game. I'm gonna actually go Kansas here, uh, just because I don't trust like Baylor is basically a better version of Tennessee or LSU where they have really good defense, but I don't really trust their offense a lot. Um, their offense, I, I trust it more than Tennessee's or LSU and LSU's, but still don't like it in this matchup where Kansas I feel like is just the better offense overall. So I'm gonna go Kansas here. Yeah, O'Shea Baji has been like weird. He's yeah, just like hasn't been great, which is very strange. Baylor has more pro prospects in this game. Um, I'll go Bears at home unless they're unless they're playing Texas Tech. They seem pretty uh, pretty consistent at home. So we'll yeah. go we'll go Baylor. Reckon Tech, um, Creighton at Providence, eight thirty. What are we feeling with this one? I mean, Saturday night at the dunk. I mean, who's ready for more T-Swift, man? Um, I, 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 know those, uh, I know those folks out in Omaha, if they make the trip, I know they'll love to hear that because I feel like, you know, like that's more up their alley being out that far in the Midwest. But again, the luck of the Fryrish, I think, is going to take over because they know how important it's going to be because they end the regular season because it's an 11-team league. So they get the bye over everyone else for the last day of the regular season, which is March 5th, that last Saturday, and they have a chance. They, they want to give themselves the opportunity to play the, play for a Big East regular season title right after that, March 1st, at Villanova. So in order to do that, they got to be Creighton. They know what's at stake there, and I don't think they're going to disappoint. I'm going to take the Friars winning um, on senior night. You know, Nate Watson, Noah Horkler, and uh, former Indiana guy, Al Durham, I think they want to close out the home slate the right way and beat the Blue Jays, and I think they will deliver on that. Uh, with the recent knowledge that the Creighton like motto is "Let them fly," them being the Blue Jays, <laughs> I am contractually obligated to never pick <laughs> against them again because that's awesome. So I'm gonna go Creighton here, getting the win at Providence. Their luck runs out. I'm gonna go with the luck of the Friars here and go Providence, just because I found out that their song is "You Belong with Me" and. Uh, I was a big Swifty back in the day. So, yeah, give me Creighton or Providence here. 
And then to wrap up that night and the week for games that you should definitely watch, Gonzaga at St. Mary's, 10 o'clock Eastern. So it's a late game. Gonzaga taking an L this week? It's been a while. What do you guys think? It's it's a good one. I think St. Mary's has the best chance of beating Gonzaga out of anyone in the West Coast Conference. Although I will say, I think the San Francisco Don shout out my San Francisco Dons shout out my guy Harris Williams. Um, they they're one of the most underrated teams. I think hopefully they'll get a tournament bid. It'll be great to see. Uh, but St. Mary's is the best team in the West Coast Conference out of out of Gonzaga. I think they'll give them their best shot. However, Gonzaga, Chet Holgram, Drew Timmy. Uh, I think just think they're too good and too powerful. I'm going to take the Bulldogs, but I will say St. Mary's will hang in there for a while, but I think Gonzaga pulls away late, probably wins it by like nine points. Yeah, so I really wanted to pitch this for my upset, uh, and then I realized that that's a stupid like pitch because no one's going to say that like that's going to happen. So <laughs> I moved it from that to this on the notes and put it here for one of the must-watch. I mean, Gonzaga's just too good and too deep. Uh, so I'm going – also pause. I'm going uh, – I'm going I'm going Gonzaga here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I was really tempted to put this game or – San Francisco as my Shark Tank upset because gut just I feel like it's very hard to go undefeated in a regular season for in the conference um, no matter how bad your conference is and yeah so I'm I don't actually think San Francisco is going to do it but I think St. Mary's has a shot especially it's at St. Mary's it's the last game of the conference for Gonzaga um of her conference play until we get into conference tournaments yeah i I think it could be fun um i think this is the the this is the moment you got to seize it this is their eight mile moment for saint mary so go ahead and uh you know capture it don't let it slip give me saint mary's by like three in this one if you're making this eight mile reference though who on gonzaga would be papa doc Oh God! It's got to be Timmy, right? Yeah, it has to be. Like this, 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 his real name is Clarence. That's <laughs> yeah. That's it's got to be Timmy. I don't. I don't know. I feel like Timmy. You, you see what you get out of Timmy. Papa Doc would be like Nolan Hickman or like Rasier Bolton or something like that. I don't but know. Not, <laughs> honestly, for real though, I mean, when it comes to Drew Timmy, I'm shocked that no one's made the reference from the all-time classic video. Like, if you, I don't know if you've seen it, but like, it was Casey Fry and uh, I forgot Nick Coletti's. Like, Timmy, Timmy, put the ball down. Yeah, yeah. I were safe. I'm shocked that no one has referenced that on a sign or a meme or nothing because it's to me, it's my all-time favorite YouTube video. And the fact that no one's referenced that with Drew Timmy is a little upsetting to me. That's 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 on that's on top of right it, there. Like the yeah, I mean you could definitely do that. Probably go viral on your you know like on your Twitter page there. But yeah. also he's like just try- he's just trying to ball. With- like I just think he's, that he's too. just he's he's just trying to ball with his bros. Yeah. So all right, well let's move on.
Drink up, it's last call. As we are closing, each host has an opportunity to share any last minute thoughts, hot takes, found stupid tweets, and fandom talk. All right, last call. Uh, so my last call, I'm going to keep this really brief. Arkansas had to request permission from the conference to wear their red jerseys in a, for a red out game against Tennessee on Saturday. And I think like home team should have the decision to do whatever they want jersey-wise. They shouldn't have to reach out to the conference and request that permission, first of all. Second of all, home team should just wear their primary colors because like, it's more fun. Like It makes the most sense. The only reason you do white and and like a colored away was for black and white TVs way back and before they had color TVs. Like that's the only reason we do that now. Unless you have similar colors, then you obviously have to change it a little bit. But you know, like overall, that's the only reason we do it. We have color TVs. Let home teams wear their colors if they want. Um, yeah, because I'm tired of like I really as a Kentucky fan I get annoyed that I hate the blue jerseys because. We usually take, you know, like this, Kentucky's really good at home. And if they do take a loss, it comes in a blue jersey. And so I feel like I already already think in my head, like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, we have more of a chance to lose because the blue jerseys. Like, I just feel that it's stupid. It makes no sense, <laughs> but that's how it feels. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, if, you, if Kentucky wore the white jerseys against Duke and Madison Square Garden, I would have felt better about it. But they didn't. They wore the blue ones and they lost. So it is ridiculous, but there's truth to it. There's like, there's like it's not truth it's like there's a history there and for some reason i hate the blue checkerboard jerseys so like just give me a reason to like them <laughs> uh connor no i i agree though that like the the colorway where both teams wear their primary color jerseys is something that needs to happen way more because that's really cool yeah yeah. White jerseys yeah. are just kind of boring. For sure. For sure. Um, so. They are. And it's like, I like to try and design jerseys and stuff all the time. I know there's way better accounts than, than me. I don't ever post my jersey edits, but there's people that post their jersey edits like 75 to rep like um, Brandon does and, you know, like other guys. And it's like, you can only do so much with the white. But if you're allowed to have colors just for every t- everything, it's just so much better. I agree. So, give me color jerseys. What do you think, Dale? Um, my last, last call is going to be that, and this is not a new take by any stretch, and it is just a very niche aspect of how officiating is awful in college basketball and needs to be revamped. But getting clarity on officials' decisions, especially at the end of games where they – like directly impact the result of the game, there needs to be clarity on that. So this is coming from Wake getting beat by Duke on the last second tip that they called basket interference and then went to review, which they can review in general because of the 2019 LSU-Kentucky game where they couldn't review what was then a clear basket interference but was not called. So I'm now on the losing end of two – either review or non-reviews. <laughs> I've now seen both sides and gotten like screwed on both of them. So not happy about that. But they had no, there, there was no explanation, no 
clarification for why they overturned that call. And looking back on it, the rule is very unclear in terms of what actually is a dunk attempt. Because he, for those that didn't see it, Mark Williams tipped the ball to himself. The tip occurred when the ball was outside of the cylinder, but he there was a moment where he did not have any contact with the ball and ends up dunking it with the other hand when the ball was clearly in the cylinder if you count them as two separate motions. The rule is kind of like gray on this. It doesn't have a specific, like, you have to maintain contact kind of thing. So I'm sure we'll see a rule change for that, and it'll mean that it should have been disallowed. Yeah. But, there, like, there's no clarification or communication from that. And, like, officiating is an incredibly hard job. The officials while they mess up all the time, mess up way less often than we like to act like they do. Like, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do, to be out there and to officiate in real time athletes that are moving way faster than they can. So I accept all that. And while I continue to bitch about it constantly, uh, like, I understand that it's hard, but getting clarification and having that accountability would be great. Yeah, it's it's just tough because, like, it's almost like we don't have the technology to review calls to make them right, but we do. But we like they're trying to keep they're trying to keep it up to the officials. Still, it's like there should be, like you said, accountability and a hold. Like, games should be watched where they they if there's any sort of like, all right, should we review this? Like you have somebody reviewing it automatically and they have that, they already do that. So it's like, I don't understand why do we, why do we utilize that? Um, just annoying and officials shouldn't determine the outcome of the game like ever in that. And you know, it unfortunately happens more often than not. And that sucks. But um, I agree with you just like, and basically the, I think the NFL does a great job of it, uh, but they will come out and say what the result is and they will say, they'll specify why like they don't do that enough in college basketball it's really annoying just like the other day in the kentucky alabama game where like lance Ware got pushed and but yeah they they spent like five minutes at the monitor reviewing it and they never like actually said what what it was you know it's just like just get on the mic and say this is what occurred like that's all you have to do and they don't do that yeah it it really like fans just want to know you know what i mean and don't leave them guessing it's like end up being that it was a it wasn't a flagrant but they were reviewing to see if it was a flagrant i don't know it's all weird just just tell us what's happening that's all we want to know just keep fans in the loop you know that's what that's all we want to know so timmy what's your so, last call man? i guess to, to like in, infiltrate and like you know said i know you called last call but over on the igloo i caught the icebreaker so i guess i'm gonna break the icebreaker uh to this show and i'm glad to do it um yeah. so connor's got me really thinking and actually i brought this up in a tweet a while ago, it may have been like two or three weeks ago, but the, we talk about the jerseys. For me, you know, you have the you're enamored with you know the color schemes. For me, I'm a throwback guy. I am obsessed with throwback jerseys, and with the Big East being a very heritage like conference, where you know you have a lot of great throwback looks. I mean, if you've seen Georgetown's throwback to the days from like Allen Iverson, those throwbacks are crisp clean perfect 
And, you know, like, you know what? We need more of these where, you know, we have teams that can match that from, like, that era. Even though they weren't pretty, they may, they might not they might not be pretty. They're probably ugly. But if you could combat that, like, Villanova's mid-90s when Kerry Kittles was there, like, the light blue with, like, the stripes and all that, it, it's, it's not good on the eyes, but it, for the nostalgia's sake, I think it's great. And then you could influx that in. I mean, Xavier's got some great throwback jerseys the running man jerseys that they wore actually saturday at uconn when uconn wore their great you know throwback jerseys i'm like you know what we need more of that and what i tweeted about and i don't know what y'all would think and maybe this becomes a norm not just for the big east but for a lot of major conferences and maybe even trickles down to to lower tiers mid-majors and even down to like i don't know like the nec for example but there's got to be more throwback games where both teams are wearing throwback jerseys against one another and properly from around the same time. So like if Georgetown's wearing something from like the mid nineties, you know, Villanova or St. John should do the same. And like, even like eighties, whatever, you know, if you can like turn back the clock with similar jerseys, like jerseys from that era. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Just imagine the marketing. If you said, Hey, it's nineties night. We're going to wear our throwbacks. You guys wear your 90s throwbacks or whatever. You know, like just you could have a cash cow with that stuff. And then, you know, teams just kind of crap the bed when it comes to that. But Michigan State did it right the other day. Even though they lost, they wore the jerseys that they won, like that style that they won the national championship in in 2000. Uh, yeah, those, those were sweet. Even though, they, like you said, they're ugly, they're sweet, you know, kind of thing. So I'm all – I love throwbacks, man. Just give me all the throwbacks. I wish – I just want an alternate jersey for Kentucky in general, but you know that's too much to ask. Nike apparently, you know, one of the best, most money making schools, Nike has, and they can't give us an alternate jersey. But okay, yeah. it's because they haven't emailed Mitch Barnhart about it enough. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that thing that Mitch Barnhart had to be convinced on the on the secretary at checkerboard? No. Like Kyle Tucker tweeted about it. He say he said that. Barnhart wasn't sold on the checkerboard initially, and it took some coercing, some convincing to get him on. And it's like, well, now you done screw the pooch, and we'll never get rid of it because you convinced them too hard on yeah. it. So I don't know. It was all it all stemmed of the Tennessee oh, season that was stuff that they did. They yeah, put for, out. for your context, it, it was Tim, stupid because every Kentucky fan context, was happy. Tim, Kentucky has checkerboard uniforms. Matt Jones, mm-hmm. who runs KSR, has. And I'm sure that other people have this opinion before, but he has kind of championed the very anti-checkerboard on Kentucky's jerseys, and he yeah. like complains about it a lot. And so there is a large portion of our fan base that is incredibly anti-checkerboard uniforms, and it's so yeah. annoying. But Because it's impossible yeah. to please Kentucky fans, but yeah. But it is pretty funny. I just want a new uniform because there, I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of another team other than like historic teams and i guess kentucky is a historic team but like it's not like we've stuck with this checkerboard uniform from the beginning of the you know like of our dynasty you know it was introduced in 2016 2017 so i just can't think of another team that goes eight years without changing their uniforms except for kentucky now so eh, yeah whatever but as we wrap things up um we want to let you guys have another opportunity here where we can find um, Timmy's podcast. So the Igloo, uh, which he covers both men's and women's college basketball for the Big East, which is incredible stuff there. So go like, subscribe, follow, leave a rating and review 
for Timmy's podcast, go do that here um, for beers and buckets. And then we didn't have any BBN, any bourbon basketball nation post game shows uh, this past week because I had some friends in town. Uh, I think everyone was kind of frustrated with the Tennessee game. So we didn't want to hear us complain <laughs> about that, but also, you know, whatever. So, I mean, if Dal's willing and he has his AirPods or, you know, his beats or whatever, and we you can, want to do it as you're walking out of the LSU game, we can maybe hop on there. On Tuesday, might have to go, might have to go find Zach in the, in the eruption zone and get him as a, as a guest. That'd be pretty cool. We could do that. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll be on, make sure to be on this week for that. So you can follow me on Twitter at Connor J Caldwell, C O N N E R J Caldwell. You can follow me on Instagram as well. Dow, you can find at do underscore well Harmon. And again, like our, our great guest, he's been awesome tonight. Uh, Tim best at the real Timmy ice. Timmy, anything you want to close this out with as we uh, end the show hey, here? You know, we're only, you know, a little over a week away from March and AKA John Rothstein's favorite month of the year. And I mean, it's, it's shockingly my favorite month of the year now too, because you got March madness and you know, you know, spring's coming. I mean, unfortunately, you know, major league baseball won't be coming back anytime soon, but my last PSA watch college baseball. It support that shit. It's so much fun it's a it's an electric factory so forget mlb this is college baseball season now i agree, I agree. it's funny you bring up john rothstein because he posted not too long ago he's like he's he's doing something about like he's never had a cup of coffee never had a glass of wine never been to europe and there was something else and i was like i believe the europe one i don't believe in both never having a cup of coffee or never having a glass of wine. What do you guys think as we close out real quick? <laughs> this is strange, a strange on. ending. That's but... This guy's like 32 years old at least. Like he's well into his 30s. He's never had a cup of coffee okay. or a glass of wine. I mean the wine? wine? I just call well, BS okay, The on wine is probably the most likely because, I mean, listen, there's no doubt in my mind that yeah. he's definitely had a cup of coffee because this is the same guy who says we sleep in May. So, I mean, he must have a ton of coffee and then yeah. he uses the month of May to get his sleep. Yeah. At, at some point in his life, like he went to school, he probably took, you know, had like a cup of coffee. The wine's more realistic for sure. But he also, I mean, like he also has that like mafia boss, like look to him where definitely feel like he'd be enjoying, you know, like a, you know, a glass of wine at his cousin's wedding or something. Now the question like, is, is, is he drinking red think, or white? Just give me your closing thoughts. He seems like a, a white wine kind of guy. If he I, were, to I feel like him would be like Michael. I'm not a wine guy. I feel at like all. Michael Scott. Wine. You know, he's got you know, he's just swirling with like this is a white. This is a white, and then <laughs> yeah. I can imagine Rothstein doing has that. a smoky, uh, oaky afterbirth. <laughs> it's got an, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> by the way, you know, by the way, I think I personally think the dinner party episode is the best episode on the Office, better than the fire yeah. drill with where Stanley gets the heart attack. The dinner party is the best one. Oh yeah, dinner party is definitely the best, most cringiest episode. Is not Scott's tots; it's Phyllis's wedding, and you can't convince me. Otherwise. The, dinner party <laughs> the dictionary, so def- the yeah, fun fact: the dictionary defines wedding as the fusing of two metal torches. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Scott. Mowage, mowage is what brings us together today. You know, when one opening line doesn't work, you just try, you know, three or four. <laughs> I went to I went to a wedding with one of my friends. Uh, got married to this guy, 
and her her husband's like I think it was his dad or his it was someone in his family did this like extended princess bride uh thing for his toast and like he essentially laid out the entire plot of this movie and we were sitting there like yo bro get to the point like we've either seen the movie or we haven't and if we have we understand what you're talking about if we haven't you going through the like every like minutia of the plot we don't need details and oh man it was we were like dude just get get to the point man that's where you need the. I've actually been to a wedding. Yeah, it was good. go ahead. I've been to a wedding where the DJ was oh, Michael gosh. Scott, and it was just incredibly awkward. It was the it was the the bride's uncle that was DJing the wedding, and he was just like, it was embarrassing. It was cringe in every moment. So yeah, no, I've been there. But all right, as we close out, we always end with a team that we close out. Uh, we say go fill in their mascot feel like the the most appropriate team that we could do this week is not the red raiders that we had last week because we have a seton hall guy here on the podcast so dicky v go pirates baby go pirates but yeah i'm gonna yeah i will not be it's awesome baby yeah yeah nah prayers up to dicky v he's also a fellow rays fan like i am so yeah gotta go with my boy just you too yeah i mean (laughs) whatever all right whatever you guys have a great week thank you again for listening make sure you go listen to the igloo and and blow it up be the best podcast fans that we know you guys are and uh support our guys appreciate you